This episode of the Bottom Line Podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN is the leader in online privacy. It creates your own virtual private network, VPN, and encrypts all of your personal information like your bank account or phone number so that hackers can't access it. NordVPN also has super fast servers with no buffering or lagging so that you can watch anything in the world no matter where you are with no issues. For example, let's say I want to watch something on Netflix in the United Kingdom that I can't get here in America. Simple fix. Just search for the UK server, click it, and boom, I'm in the United Kingdom. Okay, not really, but you get my point. You can virtually be anywhere in the world with NordVPN. And right now they're offering an exclusive deal to our fans. Go to nordvpn.com BLP and use the promo code BLP to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus one month free. And the best part is that it's totally risk-free. So if you don't like it, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to nordvpn.com BLP and take advantage of this exclusive offer right now. NordVPN, the best online VPN service for speed and security. Hey, this is Antonio Valenti from Reality Suite, and you're checking out the Bottom Line Podcast. What's going on? Welcome to the Bottom Line Podcast, your sports and entertainment destination. Jimmy Finizzi with you. I hope you're well. You already know what to do. Hit us up on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Bottom Line WMCX. Use hashtag Bottom Line and follow us as well. Helps us a lot. Also, if you are new to this podcast, first of all, thank you for checking us out. And second of all, please do us a huge favor and subscribe on YouTube and on all audio platforms. And hit that bell on YouTube so you do not miss an episode and include Jimmy when searching for this podcast. So, a little bit of a uh, surprise bomb being thrown at you right now because last week I had the opportunity to travel back to TD Bank Ballpark. If you didn't see my vlog on that, link down below in the description section. Go check that out. But anyway, that's beside the point. I had the opportunity to go back to TD Bank Ballpark to be a part of something very, very special. It was a podcast event. It was me and a bunch of other podcasters from the Yankees world that were given the opportunity to get a tour of the ballpark for one. But even more exciting, number two, is have two press conferences. One with a Yankees prospect and the second one being with the legendary Sparky Lyle. Now, I'm going to let you hear both press conferences or watch both press conferences if you're watching on YouTube in their entirety. So the first press conference we did was with Yankees prospect Brandon Lockridge. I got to tell you, he is a really, really cool guy to talk to. I really enjoyed having a conversation with him. Everybody had a wonderful time at both press conferences. So first up, let's listen to Brandon Lockridge. Enjoy. Hey, Brandon, what's up? Jimmy from the Bottom Line Podcast. So having been a part of this organization for four years, being drafted by the Yankees in 2018, just describe your overall feelings about being a part of such an historic organization. Yeah, man, for being drafted in 2018, um, I really couldn't have picked a better organization to be drafted by. Um, you know, first-class organization, the way they treat the players, uh, the guys they sign. You know, you, you kind of tell a difference. Uh, the clubhouse, everything about this place is, is awesome. The guys I get to play with every day. Um, I'm fortunate and I'm you know, super blessed to be a part of it. So, Thank you, Brandon. Next. 
Hi, uh, Adam Weiner, Bianxco Yard. Uh, you're a speed guy, obviously, and this year feels like the coaching staff, like the light switched on and everybody at the major league level, free reign to run more, et cetera. It's been more of an emphasis. Do you feel that down here too? And, and do you feel like your your skill set is more respected at the big league level now? Absolutely. Uh, just having the big league coaching staff, I mean, a lot of the guys are guys that I've played for at minor league level now that, you know, it's guys we're all comfortable around. Um, they voice their opinion of, you know, they want us to be aggressive, they want us to steal, uh, use this time in the minor leagues to, to develop. And, you know, you never know what you're gonna be able to do until you, you've tried it, whether that's making mistakes on the base path, it's kind of like part of, you know, the learning process. Um, you know, it's super comfortable uh, just being around these guys, the coaches, staff, everyone makes it a point that, you know, you don't wanna be afraid to, to make a mistake. Um, not to be dumb by any means, but, you know, you use your baseball IQ and uh, be aggressive and, you know, take the training wheels off. Awesome. Who's got the next one? Hi, I'm Ryan Fireside Yankee. Mm -hmm. So I know last year Dylan Lawson, one of his biggest philosophies was hit strikes hard. How do you think you apply that um, at the at the minor league level to make sure that you know you're generating power, sure, but you're not getting over um, over anxious and uh, selling out, uh, you know, ability to make contact for game one? Yeah, that whole philosophy that he brought in, it's a simple concept, but. Uh, some of the best hitters are very simple, simple-minded at the plate. So, um, you know, hitting isn't easy uh, by any means. So, trying to simplify it and take a, a very basic approach into it, sometimes thinking less. Uh, you know, that that's not obviously how we go about hitting. Uh, it's not as simple as simple as it looks. We do all of our work and everything in the cages, all that good stuff. Uh, but when it comes to game time, you got to trust your work. And a simple mindset is honestly, you know, why a lot of guys have the success they have. So. Um, Obviously, that hit strikes hard. It's like I said, it's very uh, simplistic in a way. But if you really break it down and you, you swing your strikes, you take the pitches you're supposed to take. And when you do swing and you hit it hard, I mean, that's you're going to get the outcome you, you would want, you know. So, thank you. Yeah. Let's have the next one. Brandon Will Harris from Yankees Files. Uh, we who focus on the major league level a lot hear a lot about the impact of the lost 2020 season mm -hmm. on minor league player development. Can you speak to how you think it affected you personally to lose that season and the changes that you've seen in 21 and 22? I know there have been wholesale changes throughout the minor leagues. Since yeah, then. absolutely. Um, obviously, that I mean, I had close to five. I think it was over 500 at bats in 2019. Uh, to not get that 500 in 2020 is, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Um, unfortunately, everybody's kind of in the same boat unless you're at the alternate site. Um, but it's kind of what you did with that time. I feel like that. You know, pay to pay dividends uh, for me personally. I was able to work on some strength conditioning stuff and uh, increase arm strength. You know, just overall athletic, uh, you know, ability and stuff, and fine tune some hitting stuff to to I think what helped me have a, a good season last year. Um, it's unfortunate, like I said, you, you really can't make up 500 at bats. That experience, that you know, especially building on what you built on the year before, you kind of have that year away from from lot pitching. I wasn't fortunate enough to have uh, access to any any live arm or anything during that whole year, so. You know, you can only get so much, uh, you know, realistic training from the cages, you know, without the competitive side of everything. Um, but that's just part of the game. There's, you know, a lot of people that had it way worse than us in 2021. So uh, to be able to continue to play the game and, you know, improve now, this is, you know, all we can control. So it's good. Definitely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hey, Joe Bernie, Chris Knott from Bronx Baseball and Beer. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's safe to say that this group of players that you guys have here at this level and throughout the whole minor league organization is very, very special. I mean, probably one of the best prospect classes we've seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how you guys mesh, how you guys, you know, 
you know, what your relationships are like on and off the field, um, and just kind of like, you know, you guys pushing yourselves to get to the next level. What's that like playing with such a big, you know, special group of guys? Yeah, this team is different. It's, uh, we kind of knew coming into spring training, you kind of get a feel for where guys are going to be, um, especially the guys that have been around a little while, the guys that have had good seasons. We were, we were looking at this during spring training. A bunch of us guys got down to, to spring training early. We were eager to get going, you know, and everything. And just seeing the way guys, um, you know, reacted during spring training around each other. Um, we kind of approached spring training a little differently this year. We made it, everything was kind of a competitive environment. And, you know, seeing our guys compete, whether it's, you know, you know Elijah Dunham and, and Volpe, uh, we were doing sled work in early spring training and them competing, going head and head, you know, talking smack back and forth. Like, it was just fun to be around. Like. There's nobody there, whether you're a first baseman that wasn't very fast, you know, you saw first baseman's improving speed. Um, I feel like it was huge to, to have that competitive aspect to, to training um, and seeing guys go head to head like that. I was like, I can't wait to see the way guys are acting when we're playing outside competition, you know. And now you, you're kind of seeing it. It's like, uh, there's fight in this team. There's fight with every single one of these guys. I think you're gonna see a lot of big league guys that are on this team. Uh, arguably, I, I think everybody here could play in the big leagues and that's kind of tough to say in yeah. you know, a minor league team, so. Um, just knowing that, that's, I feel like that's why we're winning so many games. Uh, there's competitors, there's fighting every single one of these guys, and um, the way we get along, the way everybody, you know, there, there's no clubhouse drama. Everybody, you know, handles themselves well on and off the field. It's it's special. So, that's great. thank you. Hi, Brandon. Uh, Alec Whipple from Yankees Files. Mm -hmm. So, uh, my question is, how much do you pay attention? You and your teammates pay attention to what's going on at the major level. Obviously, we're approaching the trade deadline. There's injuries. Is it hard to tune that out? Like, what's your mindset when thinking about that stuff? No. So, I mean, it's funny you ask that because we, even after games and stuff, like you'll see half the team sitting around watching our big league club play. And I mean, it's I feel like it's important. Like, we're we're supporting our guys. Like, you know, they're they're crushing it up there. They're having a career year. You know, seeing them play like the way they played this year is is incredible. And I mean. We're in there watching every single out of every, you know, staying around an extra hour after our game some nights to, to watch these guys. And, you know, we learn something from watching these guys play the way they fight. You know, they're, they're unbelievably talented and, uh, you know, kind of trying to put ourselves in a situation of like, you know, that could be any of us within the next year, two years, the end of the year. Like, you know, we got pitchers that, you know, could make a difference. You got position players that could be up, you know, so it's, I mean, it's special. Like it's, it's. The, the hours we spend in here working on our own game um, and being able to, to learn stuff from our guys up there, seeing like our, our guy Travis Chapman, like he was my first our first base coach in, in Low A in 2019. So turn on the TV and seeing him at first base, it's like, it kind of gives me chills, you know, it's like a great guy. I, so much of my career I can thank to him uh, for, you know, helping me become a better baseball player, believing in myself, everything. Um, everything from, from seeing some of these guys that are in spring training, you know, now in the big leagues, everything. Ron coming with us, you know, two nights ago. Uh, having him in the clubhouse with us when I knew I was on the team, you know, the double-A team with him this time last year, is, it's awesome. So, yeah, everybody's pulling for everybody. It doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, everybody here from, you know, rookie ball to the big leagues gets along. And, uh, you know, we know we have to play well and we'll get to the big leagues at some point or another, you know. So. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, Mike Ham, from the Garden State, probably the only non-Yankee or baseball uh, <laughs> podcast here. Um, but, Welcome. Uh, so, Florida guy. Right. So, can you talk to me a little bit about experience, your experience here within Somerset, and then as in New Jersey as a whole? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a little more familiar with the the Northeast now. I, I really didn't play up here much, and really my whole life until I went to Staten Island when I first got drafted. Um, super familiar with the area now. I, I love Somerset. The area is awesome. Everybody here is super welcoming. Um, playing up here is nice in the summer. I played in Charleston in '19, and 
the temperature difference, even though it's hot today, this yeah. is an average to, to below average day with the humidity and everything in, in Charleston. But uh, being this close to this many Yankee fans, like there's quite a few Yankee fans in the South, but up here you're, you're right around the corner from, from Yankee Stadium. So people love their baseball. They love their Yankee baseball. And uh, having that support every night in the stadium, is, you can see it every night. I mean, whether it's a Tuesday night here, we have great crowds at every game, regardless of what day it is. It um, doesn't matter where you're playing at. You can be playing in Maine. You can be playing anywhere. There's anywhere in the Northeast up here. There's a lot of Yankees fans that are there. And, um, it, it's super easy to play when you have that support system, you know, behind you. So um, I, I love the Northeast. I think you talked to everybody in the locker room, and they all love the area and love playing for the Patriots. You know. Thank you, Brian Tyler and Rock from uh, Four Train Savages podcast. Um, I got two part for you, real quick. Favorite thing about playing for the Patriots toughest part about being a um, Favorite part would have to be my teammates, man. Uh, teammates, coaches, staff, the, the support system we have here. Um, we have fun, whether you know, whether it's a tough loss. At the end of the day, we know the goal is to get better and to win baseball games. And with this group, you know, no matter how bad of a skid we have, we know that's that's what we're going to do. We're going to play good baseball and we're going to win games. Um, and I mean, it's super easy to do that when you play for a coaching staff like we have uh, to have a, like I said, the support system we have, and then a fun group of players around you, whether, you know, it doesn't matter who's struggling. If someone's struggling at the time, you got your teammates there to back you up. Um, they all believe in you. You can feel that when, when you have your support from your teammates and you know that they're, you know, deep down wanting you to do well, and it's, it's a, you know, a mutual feeling, um, it makes baseball a lot more fun, you know? So that's, um, what was the second part you said? Toughest part about being a minor. Toughest part. Um, well, probably cliche, just the, the travel, the pay, you know, all that, that's <laughs> typical stuff. But uh, like my, my, I'm married, my wife travels with me, so we make it work on, you know, a little bit less income than probably the average married couple. So, uh, but it's all part of it, and we get to see a bunch of cool places together and uh, experience, you know, a traveling different lifestyle than you know a lot of people our age. So, yep. We'll do a few more because I happen to do a hard stop so we can get into the sure. cage. We'll go work the free. Cool. Okay. Uh, hi there, Nick Nielsen with Fireside Yankees. Um, the Yankees over the past five or so years have put a real big emphasis on the analytics and the advanced sabermetrics side of baseball. Have you noticed that trend kind of also seep into the minor leagues as well, where now you're working with more like spin rate and torque and launching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of like an after-fact thing, all the analytics stuff, you know, it basically gives you some uh, hard evidence of what you're doing and whatnot, whether it's the different technology and stuff we use. Um, as before, it was kind of like a feel thing. Like guys basically go everything off of a feel and whatnot. So um, certain guys use it way more than others, you know. Um, personally, I feel like it's helped me a lot being able to see, you know, swing playing. Um, we wear like blast sensors, so you kind of find out when you're going well, you see, okay, my swing plane's doing this. I start skidding a little bit, I'm missing pitches. You go take a look at this data. A lot of times you're maybe becoming more steep. Um, and then from a pitching standpoint, like our, our pitching department's done a great job. Of Everybody can probably tell that with, with how good of arms we've developed and um, have across the board. So um, not as well, like, I guess, oriented with uh, what our pitching department does is way above my head, but they, they do a great job. You got you to gotta give credit where credit's due. Um, but from, yeah, Dylan Lawson brought in uh, the kind of whole philosophy and the, the way we go about things offensively. Um, you've seen a lot of guys that kind of made names for themselves uh, that may not have had that failure with another organization. So, you know, we're super thankful for uh, all the analytics, you know, the things that it helps people with, and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at with you. Thank you, man. Hey, Brandon, Thomas Carinante from the NCR podcast. Um, going back uh, from to last year, uh, the Yankees clearly expressed a confidence in you. You rocketed from uh, high A Hudson Valley up to here. 
uh, after what, like 30, 32 games or something like that. Uh, pretty impressive. So I want to know like how that kind of affected your mindset and what adjustments you've had to make perhaps quicker than other players who get a little bit more time developing at a lower level. Um, I mean, it was one of those situations where we, we lost time, you know, where yeah. I would have probably spent more time in high A uh, had we not have lost that 2020 season. Um, getting pushed to double A, like I've always heard, it's like the biggest jump in the minor leagues and all that stuff. So I got up here and kind of was fortunate enough to have some immediate success, which helped my confidence. Because um, it's kind of like when you go from level to level, you don't really know what to expect until you've, you know, seen what the yeah. pitching is. And it kind of just makes it, we've had guys, you, you face big league rehabs now at, at this level constantly. It just shows that the the level of play is pretty even across the board. The consistency is different. Like obviously these arms are a little better. The bats will be more, be, you know, a little bit more consistent when they come here. Like, but at the end of the day, it's baseball. They still have to throw it across the plate. Um, it, it's kind of the same game, just you know, at a little bit lower level. So um, I, I think it was a huge confidence boost to get to get pushed and to have some success and, and realize that I belong. And um, you know, that's that's kind of what it's all about. This game is a lot about confidence, and if you don't believe in yourself, you're gonna have a really rough time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate though, so can't can't complain at all with being pushed. Thanks, man. We're gonna do one more so you get to stay on his schedule, Pat. Jimmy from the bottom line podcast. So at 55 and 34, having already clinched a playoff spot, you guys really seem to be rolling so far this season, especially on the offensive side of the ball. What's been the one message that your manager has told you guys that has led you all to this point? Um, overall message, I would say. It's kind of the same. It's just go out there, play fundamental baseball, um, continue to improve, and we're going to win games. Um, this is the minor leagues. Like it, typically, it's kind of been all about development, and it, it still is about development. But um, we look at it in a little bit different way. If you win first, the stats are going to be good. You know, everybody's going to be playing well typically when you're winning baseball games. So uh, if you approach it from that kind of standpoint instead of like a selfish standpoint, um, I, I do think that's why we're continuing to win baseball games. Like we. We don't necessarily have that, uh, I wouldn't say edge that we had in the first half, but like we know we're going to playoffs now, but we're still winning baseball games. Uh, that just shows you that, you know, we're playing more relaxed with that confidence that we have. And, you know, you got guys that are, that are really turning it on, having an unbelievable second half so far. And um, yeah, I think they're just going to continue to win games and uh, continue to have fun, you know, so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now is the moment you've been waiting for, I'm sure the legendary Sparky Lyle. Now, before I play this press conference for you, let me just lay it all out there right now. He is hilarious. <laughs> I had a blast talking to Sparky Lyle, as did everybody else. And quite frankly, he knows his baseball. He's a Cy Young winner as a reliever, by the way, for those that don't know. And he's a two-time World Series champion. So obviously, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to his generation of baseball, and he actually did talk about um, some of the things that he liked and disliked in today's game. So uh, with that being said, enjoy this press conference with Sparky Lyle. Pleasure to talk to you, Jimmy, Thank from the Bottom Line Podcast. So I just want to get your perspective on what this community has meant to you. I know working for the community is very important to you, so just describe what the feeling around this organization and this state has just meant to you as well. Well, I think it's just... It was more of a happening when we started here. I mean, uh, we had a little trouble getting the ballpark, had a little trouble getting through some obstacles and things like that. But once we got started, I think about mid of the second year, the fans were absolutely in love with uh, the ballplayer because they had access to them. And the ballplayer, we had uh, some host families too. 
which I don't know how many of those are around anymore. <laughs> but uh, as far as my, I mean, today I went over to the shopping center up there, and I think I can't even tell you how many people said, "Hey, Spark, how you doing?" You know, I mean, I can walk around Pennsylvania with my teeth out, and nobody knows who I am. <laughs> they just call me bro. <laughs> your name's on your shirt, Sparky. You know? huh? Your name's on your shirt. That's why they know. Well, I'm just I walk like this. <laughs> no. That's for me, anyhow, by the way. Thank so you, I know who I am. <laughs> nice and loud. Uh, Nick Nielsen with Fireside Yankees. Sparky, thanks for answering your questions. Um, obviously, a lot has changed in baseball since you pitched, of course. What would you say has been one constant that has kind of remained in the past like 50 years in the league? You're always going to get hit. <laughs> One of the things that irks me is that in the modern day of the 100 mile an hour fastball and all that kind of stuff, I mean, these guys are giving up uh, home runs and losing games because they're just rearing back and throwing. I've never seen so many balls in the last couple of years. And I'm not saying these guys aren't good. I'm not saying. But when they lose games, they lose lose them in a dumb way. I mean, uh, they the kid last night from I forget what game I was watching. Now I think the Padres was breezing along. All of a sudden, he just threw two 99 mile an hour fastballs right down the the doo doo, and uh, he's down two nothing, just like that. You know, these guys have been facing 97, 96 mile an hour fastballs for forever. You know, Nolan Ryan threw that hard. Sam McDowell threw that hard. Just, we all thought they were freaks. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, that, that's the one, the one thing nice. They're just, they're just rearing back and throwing and not worrying where, where they want to put the ball. Then you, That's why I love to watch Wainwright pitch. He just carves them up. You know, they, they, don't, they walk back and... I, I think they felt the same way when they faced me. I think everybody, if I struck them out, they hit into a double play, whatever the case is, they walk back to the dugout going, I know I can hit that something. <laughs> 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 no, I can get it. Which is what I want. So. Uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Sparky, what did you do for your birthday? Well, I'm in therapy for the cake, so <laughs> I left that out, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to start all over again. <laughs> No, I, I, I really, I haven't celebrated my birthday because it's always in baseball season. I'm always away from home, so we'll do it somewhere down the line. Well, happy birthday. No, thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you, thank you. Hi, Sparky, Adam Weiner from Yanks Go Yard. You are one of the first iconic Yankees who started with the Red Sox. Now, did <laughs> that make you really want to stick it to them during the late <laughs> 70s portion of that rivalry? No, no, not really. I mean, I watched that rivalry grow and uh, you know I've always uh, respected the Red Sox because they're the ones that brought me to the big leagues and uh, you know it, it, it was just one of those things Dick Williams was the manager and you know when I got there he uh, he told me I had two weeks to prove myself and I was there for four days and I didn't even warm up I uh oh this is gonna be not gonna be easy you know but uh, you know once I got out there and I, uh, a, a lot of, you know, when I get fan mail, people ask me when they send my rookie card, which is 1969, how's come your rookie cards 1969 when you were in the big leagues in 67? Well, because 
the photographers never showed up until late in spring training, you know, when everybody took their picture like this. You know? <laughs> and so, from what I understand is they couldn't make their mind up if I'm gonna make the club by that time. So that's, they didn't take my picture, so I guess that means, you know, so be it. <laughs> Thank you. Lots of money. <laughs> I think the year I won the Cy Young Award, I was making 42000 <laughs> You know how much I made my first year? 5200 I had to borrow 5000 to, to go to spring training the following year. <laughs> I was a big fan of commercial credit, let me tell you. <laughs> but, uh, the game itself though yeah I, I know. <laughs> no, I, i'd say hey they're they're they keep getting bigger stronger and, and all this and that and i i think the the injuries are a little bit more prevalent now because they do do all these things you know i know when i was still managing here that uh the players the new newer players were just they didn't think about anything else but the weight room and taking all those, whatever those things are that they carry with them that, uh, out there to, to work out with. And I, I told him, I said, hey, if you spend as much time on your craft as you do lifting weights and working out and all this other stuff, you probably better yourself. So I think that that's, that's one of the things. And I think the, the, the split finger has a lot to do with it too. But uh, it's, it's just the enormous mile per hour that they're that they're getting now. But we, we, oh, I, I know. I mean, what's it going to be next year? <laughs> you know, we had, there was a guy in the minor leagues when I was in the minor, by the name of Steve Delkowski. You can probably Google that name. And supposedly he threw uh, 110 something. But they didn't have radar guns back then. So the scouts could actually time your mile per hour by a stopwatch. And it, they said it took him so long to get one where they needed to get it that he was only throwing 105 by that time. So the stories are long, but I did see this guy pitch, and I got to tell you, I never saw anything like it in my life. And whatever they want to say he was throwing, I'll agree with. But he also threw one right there, and the next one, and I am not lying, if he was pitching here, he would have thrown him right out of the top of the ballpark. <laughs> That's why he never made the big leagues. He couldn't, you never know where he was going to throw it, near did he. Hey, we got something going on over here. Which hitter always got the Mickey Stanley, Detroit Tigers. Couldn't get him out. 260 hitter. I used to tell him, I said, you know, he'd be hitting 210 of one for me. <laughs> and he went, he never really took me deep. But uh, he, he was with the Tigers center field. He would hit one between uh, short and third over everybody's head, off the field. It didn't matter. I mean, I could have just went like that. Right there. Uh, hi, Sparky. Thank you so much for talking to us. Alex, welcome from Yankee Can you tell us a little bit how you got involved with being a manager of the Somerset Patriots and the transition?
transition from Major League Baseball to independently? Like how it was different in a good way, maybe the way you weren't expecting? Well, it, it was something that, uh, you know, I had walked away on my own in 1982 and uh, was doing things. I was making a decent living. And uh, John Bukovich and I were very good friends. And he was uh, knew Mr. Caliper very well. So I'm trying to buy a truck. I can't get anybody. Everybody thinks I got a million dollars down here. So he sends me up here, and I come up, and Stephen really didn't have the truck that I wanted, so I had to order. So when I went back, my truck came in. He said, I want you to sign two contracts today. Why? What'd they do? Get a, a truck with a trailer? Uh, what'd they get? And he said, he said, I just bought a baseball club. Now, the reason that I, I never looked to be a ma managing a baseball team, I, I kind of stayed away from baseball after I got out. And uh, not for any particular reason. But uh, when he told me that they were forming this league because the guys from what, 25 to 31, somewhere in that range, I'll put it there. If they, if they got released from the big leagues, triple, whatever, they just went home. They didn't have anywhere to play. They're not going to go to the beer league and make it back to, you know, playing ball. Professionals. That's really one of the big reasons why I took that job. And we put, what, 500 back? It was incredible. And these guys all knew how to play. There was no, you not to teach them. We had a couple guys that had bad footwork uh, you know, they came here and they knew this was their second chance to get back there. I mean, they went out there and played their hearts out. And we were very successful, very successful. And I loved every one of them. I, I really did. I I, uh, I had such a ball with them. And just, uh, I wasn't your normal manager either. You know, I my first, I think the first thing I did as a manager was I am never taking infield again. And we didn't. <laughs> they said, what are you guys doing? We're getting ready for him. Oh, no, we don't have that here. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at the end of my tenure, I think Butch Hobson was the only one in the league that still took I just thought it was a waste of a clean shirt. Come grab some water really quick. And then we'll go in the back, grab some water. Talk loud, like nice I, I really can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, go nice ahead. Nice and loud. Um, well, back in, just before me, the relievers were starters that couldn't start in. So the reputation wasn't good. You know, they were already half washed up, so to speak. And uh, but you always had one or two that came to the cream of the crop there out in the bullpen, but never got any recognition. And uh, I think the best thing that happened to the relievers is pitching that ninth inning. I mean, oh my God. I mean, the longevity that they can have by coming in with nobody on base 
I don't remember ever coming in with nobody. And this is no kidding. The phone used to ring and they would say, if so-and-so and so-and-so get on, you're gonna face so-and-so. So I knew two guys were gonna be on there. So, uh, but that I think is a big, really good change. Now, what happened, that has trickled down. You got a guy for the sixth inning now. Now, maybe you guys know this, but I actually heard that they were really <laughs> talking about if a starter went four and two thirds, he would get the win. Did you hear that at I, all? I, I, I did. You hear did. That, okay, yes. thank you. Because when I tell people that, they said, "Oh, that can't be." <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> so you got guys for the fifth, the sixth, and seventh who are groomed for that specific. Now, Tidro usually was before me back in the day, and he would win anywhere from the first to the fifth, and I would win from the sixth on. Or, of course, Billy put me in on the fourth one day. But <laughs> I, I, did, I just associate myself from that. <laughs> but I think that's the biggest thing, and it makes it easier on everybody. And, and I think it's easier to, um, to know what your job is. That was a big problem, too, there back in the day, because when the phone rang, you know, every, like everybody jump up and start <laughs> Nobody knew who was going in, you know. I was the only one that didn't exercise, and I was the one that went in. <laughs> we can do a few more, right, right there. Sparky, thanks for being here at Will Harris for Yankee Styles. Uh, a lot of people identify you with your facial hair, and mustaches are popular on the Yankees this year. Can you think of anyone since your retirement uh, in the big leagues who rivals your mustache game? Oh, I don't know. I think... Um, then the third baseman from the Dodgers, he had a beard, but he had a pretty good... Justin uh, Turner. Uh, huh? Justin Turner. Yeah. Outside of him, I can't say anybody really had one like this. They, they usually cut the ends off of it or whatever. I grew it because um, when I was dating my wife, she told me uh, I need to grow a mustache because my nose is way too big. <laughs> so... Now look at them. <laughs> All the way on the end? Okay. Nice and loud. was coming in with bases loaded because now that guy's up there. I mean, what's he thinking? He's got he's to hit the first damn thing that looks good to him. And it's my job not to make any of those pitches look good to him. You know, it's, it's just a... I don't think there's any uh, more pressure on... I, I know they talk... The, the, uh, the announcers talk a lot about the pressure that's on everybody out there with him. Be honest. I mean, we were in three World Series, and I never heard anybody talk about pressure. <laughs> Seriously, we just didn't talk about it. It's a, it's a game that 
we're playing professionally here, and we all know what we're doing. We're pretty damn good at it, or we wouldn't be there. You know, so I think uh, I think put that on yourself. But, uh, some pitchers are going to pitch differently with guys on base, of course. You know, you can't give up a hit with two outs with the time running seconds, things like that. But uh, hey, you just go out there and you do what you do best. That's why I only threw the slider. That was a, my best pitch. What am I going to use with an 80 mile an hour fastball for Frank? Scared to death. <laughs> we'll do two more. Ready? Head. Hey, Sparky, Thomas Caradante of the Gangster Arrow Podcast. Thanks for taking questions. Um, you were talking before about the reliever role reversal now. You got guys from the sixth inning, seventh, eighth, ninth. Now the highest leverage guys for the eighth and ninth are typically reserved for only one inning. We see a lot of them struggle with split inning duty or multi inning duty, and you were someone who always, um, a lot of the times, threw high leverage multi innings. Why do you think that change happened, and how do you feel about that? Well, I, I think the change happened because they felt that everybody was going to be stronger. That's where the pitch count came from and all that kind of stuff. Everybody was going to be stronger come uh, the dog days of August and September. And, I mean, I don't know if there's any uh, statistics on that or not. But, uh, you know, it's. I, I think the split finger has a lot to do with it. Of course, the mile per hour. But... Like I say, these hitters, man, they've been hitting 97 mile an hour fastballs for a long time, and they don't think anything about it. I mean, the first time I saw uh, our, uh, Chapman, I saw him live in Philadelphia. He came in and struck out, just blew the ball right by him, hit 100 a couple times. And the next inning, he goes back out and gave up five runs because he <laughs> throwing the ball right there. These guys don't don't mess with them. And I've always respected the hitters, always. And I think maybe these guys ought to think about that a little bit more instead of worrying about if they're going to hit the century mark uh, with the fastball down the middle. All right. We'll do, we'll do all that. Okay. Alex Guy just quoted a podcast on the Obviously, that was a trend with Yankee mustaches. Matt Carpenter was the best. Now, who are the best mustache in the clubhouse between I didn't even know those guys had a mustache. <laughs> Goose got a good one. He's got the good Thurman's, he was barely shaving. Catfish was barely shaving. So I guess it was me. Last <laughs> one. Pete Rose, and I mean they're they're letting you bet on TV now during the game while the hitters up, and they're giving the odds. And I haven't heard a damn thing about Pete Rose. Why is he still sitting out there? Why? And there's been a lot of guys that have been overlooked too because they're all on the cusp, and and I think the. Uh, the committee that after you put your five years in and you don't get any votes, you're out. I think sometimes they uh, vote sometimes for their friends other than what should be. 
but the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. And as, as long as you got to be voted in to get there, then it's going to stay free and clear. Thank you, guys. Everybody, thanks, Appreciate Sparky. it. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Sparky freaking Lyle, the legend himself. I really hope you enjoyed that press conference, and I hope you enjoyed Brandon Lockridge's press conference as well. And if you did, show some love and smash that like button on YouTube and subscribe as well. And hit us up on all social media at BottomLineWMCX. Use hashtag BottomLine. And don't forget to subscribe on all audio platforms as well. Hopefully, I'll get another opportunity to do something like this very, very soon because this was such a privilege and a pleasure. So hopefully, something comes up like this again very, very soon. I'm Jimmy Finizzi. This is the Bottom Line Podcast. See you in the next one. Peace and take care.